Hello everyone and welcome to Pnimius, the down-to-earth Hasidus podcast. I'll start by reminding all the listeners that if you appreciate these audios, if you enjoy them and are useful for your life in any way, please feel free to forward them to all the people you know and you can always, of course, support our work too. Um, this week, we're going to focus on the Parsha, the beginning of our Parsha. It's a very significant, it has a lot of value to us. As Eden, it's the beginning of the journey of Yiddishkeit and, excuse me, and the first Jew, Abraham Avinu. Hashem tells Abraham Avinu, Lech Lecho, go, go yourself from the land of your father, from the place where you were born, start your journey, move out. The journey of a Jew starts by leaving behind the status quo of what he knew until that moment of the Avoy Zora, of the um, universally accepted wrong. And Avraham Avinu starts a trip, a journey, physical and spiritual journey, that it's still going on for the past three and a half thousand years. And, and the expression that Taylor chooses to start to say it, Hashem tells Avram, Lech Lecho, go yourself. That yourself, that Lecho is extra. You don't need that word in Hebrew. You can tell someone, go, Lech, Lech Labait. So go to the house. You don't have to say, Lech Lecho, Labait. Go yourself to the house. And so Rashi explains that the extra word, yourself, comes to tell us that it's, for yourself. Don't worry, this trip is for yourself. You'll end up gaining from it. You'll, you'll, you'll be better off. This trip is lecha. What does it mean lecha? Lecha For your benefit and for your well-being. You know, if somebody, I don't know, they offer you a, a job overseas that, that pays you, I don't know, eight figures. It's like a multi-million uh, whatever, you're like, fine, of course, I'll relocate. It's like a very good job, very good offer. It sounds amazing, right? So it's like a trip that Lechadchileis view this scene as a positive thing. It's for your benefit, for your pleasure. Good. But then, interestingly enough, in the next pasuk, Hashem promises Abraham Avinu all the good things that he's going to get from this journey. I'll make you a big nation. He didn't have children at the time, so Hashem is telling him, only there you'll, zoyche, you'll be zoyche to, to Bonim, to have children, and not just children, a family, but a family that will become a nation, a nation that will have a message for the whole humanity. It's a big thing you're starting now. Be ready for it. But Rashi tells us, explaining these blessings that Hashem gives Abraham Avinu, Rashi says, why is Hashem promising him? That. And actually, some Hasidic masters also bring that question. Why did Avraham Avinu need such promise? Like what? Such big tzaddik? Like the first of the forefathers, the first Jew. Hashem talks to him. Hello. He's like talking to you. And he's like, start a journey. You need Hashem to promise you a benefit. Come on. Such a tzaddik needed a promise of reward. He couldn't go just because he believes in Hashem. So here Rashi gives an answer for it. And the answer is because normally when you're traveling... And traveling wasn't just taking a five-hour plane ride. Traveling back then was like crossing the world around and walking through deserts and then, I don't know, and jungles and, and dangerous places and leaving everything behind. There was no connection 
you know, like I can still keep my money in the bank and check it uh, digitally in the other country. There was no such thing. Like Abraham Avinu had to take everything and risk his entire life and, and lose and waste months and risk his life literally and risk his assets. And then normally the derech does three things. It, this, it, it makes smaller, whatever, your family reproduction and, and your, your, your money and your reputation. Not that Abraham Avinu cared about his guy or his reputation, but when you go to a new place, you start anew, you start from zero, you're nobody. And he had a message to give the world. How am I going to convey that message to the public if nobody knows who I am and I have to start from zero, gaining a reputation and being known and my, will they listen to me or not? And that's why Hashem promised them, don't worry. I'll intervene. I'll get in the middle. And in your case, the trip will be different. For you, the journey will not ruin your family, neither your health, neither your money, neither your reputation. You'll go there, you'll become richer, I'll make you a big nation, and everyone will listen to you. You just go. Both Pirushim of Rashi are very encouraging, and yet, they're kind of opposites. They're not the same thing. They're very different perspectives, extremely different perspectives about life, and we'll explain them. According to the first one, the trip is already good. As it is, it's a good trip. According to the second one, you're going to end up losing something. Normally, you go through some negative experience, but then don't worry. When you go down, you'll eventually will pick up. And you know what? Because you went down, the aliyah will be greater and it will be worth it. So in the beginning, in the short term, you might have to put up with extra efforts and difficulties, but eventually it will pay off. Fine. They're very different attitudes. And I'll explain it. It says that my seovo is semen labonim. The actions, the stories, the occurrences, what happened to the ovois and how they lived life, they're a semen, they're a sign for us. You're not just reading a book because you're, you're very curious about the life of your great, 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 great grandparent 4,000 years ago, but also and mainly because it's talking about you and the journey of your own life if you know how to read in between the lines. And this is the thing. Hashem makes us all travel. Sometimes we travel physically. Sometimes we go through places and we wonder why. Sometimes we travel only by Ruchnius. Like starting a journey is basically going out of your comfort zone. And sometimes life forces you to do that. Either when you're deciding to, uh, when you're making a big decision, like I don't know, getting married or, or, or I don't know, moving to a country, starting a new business, um, getting a job, a specific type of job, choosing your career, whatever it is that you're choosing in life. Um, sometimes it takes a journey. You have to go out of your comfort zone and you have to travel to get to that destination, which is the thing desired. And, and sometimes the process, it's pretty, how to say, it's like a, like a roller coaster ride. And there are two ways of taking these difficulties of the roller coaster ride of life on the way to achieve the destination, to achieve the result that you're looking for. Even if it is something physical or something ruchni, but you need to achieve something. And the road from where you are until there, it's... <laughs> how to say? I don't know if to use the word difficult, challenging, crazy, painful. You know what? All of the above, depending on the 
circumstance. But there are two ways of taking it. One way of looking at it is, look, it is a difficulty. Let's be realistic. It's a negative experience. You know, I wish I didn't have to go through this, but it's a necessary bad. But it's a but and very big emphasized but because I believe in Hashem and I hope and wish and that's why I believe that eventually this will turn into something positive. Eventually all of this pain will be useful for something. Like the example we always use, like the, the manure, even though it's disgusting, eventually will become um, fertilizer. Right? It's like the, 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 the expression that says, everything that Hashem does, He does it for good. For good means in order for something good to happen. So maybe at the moment you, you're suffering it, but the tachis will be positive. There is a funny, in a little, <laughs> I don't know, grove illustration of this um, made by the Hasidim. The Hasidim in their Fabrengas, they would use colorful expressions of real life for uh, very deep concepts. And that's naturally the best way to, to give those deep messages in a funny way. And so basically they gave this example, it's a Hasidic example of this little bird who's uh, standing on a tree branch and it's very cold, you know, in Russia, it's like very freezing and he was lazy and he didn't want to move. So anyways, he didn't move for too long and he froze. It became literally hard, he couldn't move his wings and he was worried because soon a wind is gonna come and actually did and dropped them into the snow, into the floor, onto the floor he fell, and he can't move, he can fly. And now he's exposed to all those, the only way that he can save himself normally is by flying away from the predators, and this time he's without the ability to fly on the ground, just waiting for a, for a predator to come and eat it. And he was worried, and he was begging Hashem in his mind, Hashem, please save me. And so Hashem sent the cow, and the cow pooped on top of the poor, frozen bird and even though it was poop and it was horrible and it, but at least it was very warm and it melted the ice and the bird was free again and he could feel how he can move his wings and so he starts singing out loud and praising Hashem and then a predator came and ate him end of story ouch but what is the teaching what is the moral that we get from the story a couple of things. First of all, and that's the one that we're gonna be focusing here for our concept, not every time they make on your head, it's a negative experience. You know, it could be some, a life-saving event. You just have to change your perspective and look at it a little differently. But the second is, if you're free, start flying. Don't get, don't get stuck into celebrating your freedom because you might lose it uh, soon enough. But the first teaching is amazing. The first teaching is amazing. It means that even the things that feel disgusting and horrible, they normally are in order to get something benefit, beneficial. It's like the first Pidosh of, uh, it's like the first Pidosh of Rashi where, you know what? I'll make you big, I'll make you a big nation, I'll bless you and all of it because normally when you travel you lose, but in this case I'll make you win. And that's like, so the poop is disgusting, but 
oh, well, at least it was warm and it saved my life. I know, by the way, a story of some Hasidim who saved their lives uh, escaping the, the Holocaust um, from, they crossed the border in a truck that was delivering uh, manure for fertilizing farms and they literally hid. The driver was a nice person who led them. They hid inside of the thing for like the whole trip. And it's disgusting, but at least it saves your life. That's one way of looking at things. The other way is the river. The other way is from the beginning you look at it as you feel it, you experience it as something positive. Why? Because the one that got you into this trip, into this journey to begin with is Hashem. And everything Hashem gives is good. So instead of looking at it as a limitation, as a negative thing, that if you go through it with enough courage and you put up with it for enough time, eventually it will turn around and, 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 and be revealed as a positive experience. But according to this second perspective, it's the exact same thing, but the opposite. It's a good. Because the Neshome understands the question, if you're going to take it like the first way of the, or the second, well, it will depend who you ask. If you ask the goof, the physical as, aspect of ours, it feels that way. This journey is taking away from me. This experience is like draining me. Because the goof wants to take. The goof is a taker. The Neshome is a giver. The Neshome is the one that feels, yes, let's go for it. Um, let's find the positive in it. Let's find the meaning in it. Let's connect to it. The Nishoma is giving to the situation. The Nishoma puts up in a very, he participates in, a, in the way that a, the owner of the business does and not the employee. Oh, well, there are no sales. No, what do you mean? Go look for it. Like, make it happen. In other words, you know, just like we say sometimes, like I heard it many times that people say, in the world there are givers and there are takers. And I think it's true, but it's very generalizing. But I think it's more true if you say it like that. In the world, there are those who give and those who receive, and they both live inside of me. And that's the amazing part of, the, of our life's challenge. We have a way of experiencing life from our Nishama, who's a giver, who sees the challenges, who sees the difficulties as challenges, and the challenges as opportunities, and the opportunities as the beginning of a new creation. The Nishoma sees the process as an enjoyable thing too. Because the process is also part of Hashem's plan. So not only the result is when I celebrate, but everything through and through is when I'm happy and connected. And here we find something amazing. The Torah does have to tell Abraham Avinu, don't worry, I will bless you. And even though it looks bad, it will be eventually be good. Wait, why? It's Abraham Avinu, such a big tzaddik? Yes, because he's also a human being. And when you're talking about the body part of the human being, from our body's perspective, from our literal and physical and animal brain, that's how we understand life. Because, you know, if, if you research it, it's very interesting. There is very interesting things to learn when you, when you research the, the workings of the neural the, the how do you say neuroscience and the way our brain works. Our brain prefabricates models of life based on experience and learned data in order to predict more or less what's going to happen. 
And sometimes the brain needs to predict negatively in order to be ready for the worst. And therefore, if it happens to come, then you're best prepared and, <clears throat> and you suffer it less because you already started suffering from before. So you paid it in installments instead of suffering altogether when it comes. It's a type of mental like way of coping. And the interesting thing is that the Torah teaches us that's just your body's opinion. If you talk to your Neshama, you'll get a very different perspective. The Neshama is not stupid or naive. The Neshama doesn't believe because it doesn't realize the painful experiences of life or the challenging personalities that sometimes you have to deal with or the difficulties of Parnaso or making a living. The Neshama is not just the Neshama, so, which means the belief doesn't have to be a naive, immature belief. It could be very realistic and down to earth and knowing that things could look like challenging. But again, problems, you need to retranslate and reinterpret your definition of life. Problem, switch problem to challenge and then challenge to opportunity and opportunity to into a new life, a new creation, a new chayus, a new chance to do something amazing for the world. And that gives us an incredible concept one that is emphasized in one of the stories that the Friedrich Rebbe, the previous Rebbe tells in the Koivetz Michtovim. You see at the end of the Tehillim, there is a bunch of letters that talk about the importance of Tehillim. And there is an incredible story over there. Uh, the beginning and the end part, I don't know if I should, I'm not a very good storyteller, but fine, I'll share the story. I think you should go and read it inside. It's very amazing if you read all the colorful uh, expressions over there of the previous Rebbe explaining it nicely. Um, but the story is more or less like this. Basically, when the Baal Shem Tov started his revolution, right, uh, many revolu revolutionizing, that's how you say, um, uh, many revolutionary ideas, and one of the main chidushim of the Baal Shem Tov was that he wanted to reunite Am Yisrael to break the separation between the elite, the intellectuals, and the simple Jews, the farmers. So it was all divided. Only a few had access to learning Torah to become leaders and visionaries. And most of them were doomed to ignorance and hard working to make ends meet. And, norm and sometimes that included literally like cooking their 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 leather garments in order to get some protein into their water disgustingly in order to survive and get some food when they were starving, literally speaking. I just heard the other day a story about it. Um, and, and, and they were like very simple. They had no time for any, there was no, there were very simple people like farmers, water carriers, um, um, they would like, you know, like uh, have chickens and like very simple people without any knowledge. You couldn't even read or write. And, and, and there was a time where the, the rabbinical elite was like separated from the simple Jews and the Baal Shem Tov came to turn that around. Now, one of the other things the Baal Shem Tov did was teaching the deepest secrets of Torah to his group of students. So it was a little interesting and there was some contrast in between these two activities because on one hand, 
the elite of the elite are the ones who come to learn with the Baal Shem Tov and discover the new depths of Torah through the deepest things of Kabbalah and therefore changing the system of the philosophical understanding of Yiddishkeit and life. And yet on the other hand, he was like all friendly and hugging and, and, and hanging out with the simplest, lowest, and I don't want to use negative words, but you know, like, yeah, yeah, everything is like the best friendlies with the, with the regular ones. And at the other end, he teaches us were thinking uh, his students. And so this story is about one of those episodes where the Magid himself, the Magid of Message, and, and many other students were like so shocked by the way the Baal Shem Tov was too friendly with those lower, socially lower people. And you know what? It doesn't match with the rabbinical model that they had until then. You see him dressed like a regular person, hanging out with the regular people and whatever. And how come? To us, we're like the big rabbis who know everything and the depths. We're the only ones who can understand what he teaches and yet he gives more honors to those simple ones than to us, the elite. How does it work? How come? And in one of those moments, when the Baal Shem Tov gave a lot of kavod, a lot of honor to one of those simple Jews and they were like sitting there and watching with like some jealousy and, uncom- and like intellectual uncomfortability, um, the Baal Shem Tov told them about the virtues of the simple Jews and how when they serve Hashem, even with mistakes and even without a lachic perfection, but they do it with all their heart, they're much better than all of your knowledge. And he's trying to teach them and to explain. And then at one point he's like, you know what guys, just put your hands on top of each other's shoulders, hug each other all together and like around. And he also did to the two students who were sitting next to him and everyone together, he said, close your eyes, very Valshemske uh, occurrence, Close your eyes and don't open them until I tell you so. And basically made them see and hear as if they were in Gan Eden. And they're seeing the Tehillim, the prayers of the simple Jews coming up, like mixed with Yiddish words in the middle of the Hebrew pronunciation. They don't even know how to uh, correctly, legally, halachically pray or whatever. But however they do it, the heart is so powerful that it cracks all the gates open and he goes straight into Hashem's ears and how it cancels all the negative decrees and the exodus. And they were able to see it. He literally took them to heaven and made them see the amazing effect of the simple Jews' um, life and service to Hashem and davening. Okay, at that moment, they all got it. Not only they realized that the Balsemto was a big tzaddik and he had special spiritual vision, but even he was able to infect them with this spiritual vision for a moment and they were able to see it. And so, wow, and they accepted it and everything. And yet, the Magid ended up feeling, he told this later to the Alter Rebbe, to his student, that he ended up feeling very guilty. He ended up with an Ishgit, like very uncomfortable. You know, in your kishkes, you're like, how come I doubted my Rebbe? How come he had to show me like a miraculous, miraculous vision to convince me? I'm, I'm so wrong, I'm so not a chosid. how could I doubt my master, etc., etc. And then it says that he only calmed himself down after Hashem showed him a vision. So he was sleeping and he saw a vision that his neshama elevated and went to Gan Eden. And as he's seeing marvelous things up there, which he didn't uh, specify what, he just saw, said that he saw incredible things up there. And one of those incredible things was that he walks by like a kind of classroom and he sees there Moshe Rabbeinu teaching Chumash in Parshas Lech Lecho to a bunch of little kids. 
and and he's reading to them the part of the Torah where it says that Abraham Avinu was told that soon he's going to have a child and he fell on his face, he fell on his hands and he's like, ha, he chuckles, he laughs. Abraham Avinu laughs. Are you kidding me? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a child at the age of 100. And, and right, my, my wife Sarah at the age of 90. Like, he chuckles at the, uh, at, the, at the news. That's why his name is Abin Itzchok. A joke, a joke, a laughter, because he provoked laughter. The body, the goof, and Moshe Rabbeinu tells the kids, sorry, I didn't finish the story. Moshe Rabbeinu is teaching this to the kids in Ghana, and he says, and whether you kids will wonder how come that such a holy Eid, Abraham Avinu, the first of all the forefathers, the first Jew, how can such tzaddik doubt Hashem? You know, you kids should understand. I know you're in Ghana and you don't know what it is, but down there, the physical body, uh, if it comes from the body, you could even, even the body of the most holy, the holiest person, it's still flesh. And from its perspective, you could laugh literally at such news. Teaching us something incredible. And I think this is being a Hasid 2.0. As a child, as an immature perspective of the world, when you're going through Hasidus 1.0, or Torido in general 1.0, we think of superheroes like Tan Tan and Moisabin is wearing like this the garment and he flies tan 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 through the heaven, through the skies to save the, the poor people. We imagine them as superheroes who can never fail. Maybe they didn't fail in real terms, but they had to cope and deal with the inner failure. All of them. Even Avraham Avinu, even, even the highest of all, the holiest Jews, has a goof, which is a piece of flesh. And the flesh is a physical thing with physical sensations and doubts and thoughts and etc. And don't feel bad about it. It's part of life. And that's when the Magid was calm and firm, said like, fine, it's okay. If even Avraham Avinu doubted Hashem, it's not so bad, I guess, that he doubted the Hashem Tov. It's time to move on, do tshuva, and not have this, not crush yourself against the doubts and the chuckles uh, of your own body that ridiculizes the Gilu Elokus, the revelation of true and godliness. And this is the two different perspectives. The body chuckles at anything that's not, that doesn't fit the perfect map of suffering and anxiety that it, that it has drawn for itself. But the Neshoma knows better. The Neshoma knows that, that everything is a process and every process is a teaching and every teaching is for your own benefit. And the Neshoma knows how to enjoy the ride without complaining. And that's a secret. That's a question. If you're gonna choose the, the soul's attitude to life, to give it another try, to try harder, to try to find meaning for yourself, to be yourself the one who gives meaning to the challenges of life, and through that becoming the one choosing life actually, even if life decides to come dressed up as a monster, instead of living your entire life crashing against the, the, the circumstances of the uncomfortable living 
having to having the uncomfortability to have to live with a circumstance that goes against the logic plan of self-convenience that your brain designated and prefabricated in its own research and development office. You know what? You can tell your brain, dear brain, I understand you're trying your best, but you're not gonna be able to hold, understand and control the entire universe with your three pounds of, of, of uh, flesh. You know what? Let the Neshama take over for a little bit. Let the Neshama decide that you can be fine with the process. That Rachgut and Vezayn Gut. That if you believe in Hashem, everything, not only the result, also the journey is something to enjoy. And this is a huge thing. It's an incredible switch between system one and system two. If you manage, you'll discover what it means to live with happiness. Because all the, the other way around, you're going to be suffering the whole, throughout the whole process until then it turns around and you're like, wow, now I see how it worked out and it all turned out to good, Baruch Hashem. And you make a fabrengan and you make halal and you thank God for the turnaround. Wait, why did you have to wait until the result to enjoy it and connect to Hashem when you could, you could have believed that from the beginning and saved yourself 20, 20 years of pain and stress? And that was going to be the case, but it's in your hands whether it happens much later because you're desperate for the revelation of the positive result or if it happens from the beginning because it's positive in your brain while you're growing, going through the difficulties of the journey instead of waiting for the revelation and only then confirming and be like, how? Now I have bitochen. You, you could have had it before and save yourself the pain. And those are the two types of lech lecho. And that's a question that we should ask ourselves. Does Lech Lecho take away from me? And only later, because I believe maybe it will turn into good? Or am I willing to acknowledge the perspective from the lenses, from behind the lenses of my Neshama and realize that the Lech Lecho only adds to my own welfare and benefit and it's for my own good, Lech uh, And that's maybe the meaning also of Lech River. Thank you everyone for listening and Bezos Hashem will hear each other soon again. Bye.